You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Here we are in our week three of being unstuck. And we talked about being unstuck uh, uh, in survival mode. How do you get out of survival mode? What does that look like for you personally and in your relationships uh, and in your finances and all those things? And so Paul preached a good message on that, and he talked about taking the rocks out of your backpack. Like, you can be stuck and weighed down with stuff that you're dragging around for years and years and years because you haven't acknowledged it, because you haven't got it out in the open, you haven't looked at it with your brothers and sisters, you haven't looked at it as God's word points to that. And so he talked about the Bible being the survival manual when it comes to relationships, uh, when it comes to our, uh, our relationship with God, obviously, relationship with each other. And how do we, how do we, you know, how many people in here kind of feel like you've been surviving in lots of areas of your life over the last year or so? Like, yeah, we're like trying to survive. This is different, right? And then uh, last week we talked about success and I had a beautiful prop up here of a toilet. If you missed that, you're like, oh, I got to go watch that. And we talked about success and how we are already successful. We are very successful Being born in America makes you very successful and very fortunate. Having a toilet makes you very fortunate. How many people thought of that this week? If you use the toilet, you're like sat down, you're like, success. (laughs) I have a toilet, right? Because we learned that over 600 million people don't even have a toilet. And we're trying to figure out which ones we want to use or have to walk upstairs. It's very convenient because my daughter's in one of the bathrooms. No, like we're pretty successful. We're pretty successful. And we don't have to walk miles to get water. And so we already have a level of success in our life. And now what does that look like as we move into significance? And so as we talk about what what does significance look like, in my mind, I started thinking of like, so what does that look like? How do we measure if something is significant? You know, to be... uh, to, to, to come from survival uh, to success is perseverance. And when you get to success, you can see kind of the underbelly of significance. And so when I think about significance, I started to think about people. Who's significant? And because I'm selfish and I think directly about me, I started thinking about the things that are significant to me that other people have created. So I was like, Steve Jobs, he's significant. Think about uh, Jeff Bezos. He's significant. Warren Buffett, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham. You know what I didn't think about? Steve Jobs' birth mom. You know, Steve Jobs was adopted. She's pretty close to not letting him be here. She's pretty significant. A.W. Tozer said, your view of God is the most important thing about you. I want you to think about that. Let that sit in a little bit. Your view of God is the most important thing about you. It determines so many things about you and I. It determines how we view other people. It determines how we treat other people. It determines the confidence that we'd have in ourselves to be significant. Do you view, you view God as a mistake maker? And you're just one of his many mistakes? 
That's a bad view of God. That's not how he views you. He finds you to be pretty darn precious. He thinks you're really, really important to this world. Your view of God is the most important thing about you. It'll define everything about you. It will determine whether you will draw close to God or keep him at a distance. And people can have earthly significance and not know God. But that stuff will die and go away. When we think about significance and what matters, it'll shape how you understand God. Is he a benign grandfather? Is he kind of this aimless, just not paying attention? What? COVID? Uh, Wow. Maybe we should do something. Is he a critical father? Is he angry at you? Is he a stern judge? Is he just your good buddy? Or is he part of who you call when you really blow it and get in trouble and that's, just, that's when you have a relationship with God? I want to give you a little context about our text today that we're going to dive into. Uh, God rescued his people who had been enslaved in Egypt for 200 years. Now that sounds like a long time, but it's quite a bit longer when you think about what the life expectancy was of a slave in Egypt. I was doing a little research on this. Normal folks in Egypt, not even slaves, normal folks, if you're a dude, you got to make it to 34 in ancient Egypt. That was a good job. 34. How many people are over 34? You're all dead if you're in Egypt. If you're in Egypt, 2,000 years, yeah, 33, you got another year. There you go. No, uh, like 34 years old for a male, 30 for a female. How weird is that? Why? Childbearing. So what would it be for a slave? Because that's pretty easy. You get up in the morning, seven days a week. You work from sunup till sundown. And what are you doing? You're making bricks. So when you think about 200 years of slavery, what'd you say? Four? For what? 400 years. I'm sorry. 400 years of slavery. That's even longer now. Thanks, Mike. Um, when you think about that, like that's, a, that's like just generations and generations that knew nothing but getting up, making bricks, and dying. We live to be 75, 85 now. That's a long time. And so... God takes them out uh, into a desert where there is nothing for the eye to see. No pyramids, no temples, no mighty army, armies, or no pharaoh. They're out in the desert. They're in the wilderness. And here's what he says. He says, listen, hear my word, learn about me. And he began to try and help correct the view of how they viewed God. And there's a battle for how you view God. Satan acknowledges God, but he's trying to change how you view him. 
And how you view him has a lot to how you were raised. And a lot has to do with the type of churches you went to. Were you at an angry church where it was hell, fire, and brimstone, and you were just, man, I just hope I can crawl on my belly into heaven someday. Or you had a church that, that gave you potential and said, man, you are amazing. You are built amazing. Go do something awesome with the amazingness that God created you. And so God started to teach his people. And here's what he taught them. And, and to this day, people still uh, quote this and say this. In, uh, NIV Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, Israel. Here is underlined for a reason. We'll get back to that. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of your ancestors promised you. So you have no idea what like milk and honey even, possibly even, you've been enslaved for 400 years. Thanks, Mike. You've been enslaved. Your, gra- your parents were enslaved. Your grandparents were enslaved. Your great-grandparents were Like, you don't know what this, what do you mean? A land flowing with milk and honey. Next one. Hear, O Israel, again, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strengths. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How's your door frames? Somebody came by and graffitied the house that we're building and put some scripture on my door frames. I'll tell you what, if I find out who that was, I think that's what they wrote. So the word here, a lot of the ladies who have been part of the Coffee Connection last year are like, we learned about this 10 times over because that was their theme. But the word here in Hebrew is called Shema. Say it with me, it's fun. Shema. Now some of you have been around, you know that. And maybe you say your Shema every day. Shema means something more. Shema is significant. Watching a, uh, uh, I was studying this week. I was looking at this one talk that Tim Tebow had. And I love this quote he said. He said, success is about you. Success is about you. Significance is about other people. So you can be successful, but you can't be significant without other people. You can't be significant without God. Remind me of a story from... Uh, when I was in the insurance world, I used to go on appointments all the time. And I went on this one appointment, and I was living in Montana, and I drove up from Missoula, and I had appointments around in Polson and Flathead area. And I pulled up to this appointment, and I was like, okay, I was like trying to find it. It was somewhere on the southern end of Flathead Lake. And I pulled into this place, and I turned in, and I, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I pull in there, and I went up to the house, and I knocked on the door, and it was the caretaker's house. Wrong house. I was like, oh, okay. I pull around, and I pull into this circular driveway, and I, and I, and I get out, and I was like, this, wow. 
this place is impressive. And so I go and I knock on the door and this lady answers the door and I, hi, my name is Josh. I'm here for our appointment. And I, she invited me in to go visit. And the first thing I saw was this giant staircase. It was huge. It was like 10 feet wide and it wound up to the second floor of this house. And she could tell I was like, <gasps> like you're just amazed by it. It was there on purpose. And she went on to tell me about this staircase and how cost $150,000 and they had to ship it on like two semis uh, from Indiana and it was handmade out of this kind of wood and all these other things. And I was like, wow, that is significant, I thought. That is huge. And then we walked through all the artwork and the stuff of this house and we're walking through and we took a right and we were walking down this. She's like, let's go visit in the study. Like you do. And uh so I was like, all right, cool, going down to visit. And there was a guy sitting in a wheelchair looking out these giant windows at Flathead Lake. And as we walked past him, everything got really cold, like spiritually cold. Wouldn't acknowledge nothing, wouldn't say nothing or whatever. And we walked into the study, and there's these, I don't know, I'm going to guess, there were like 14-foot ceilings, and they had those inlaid things. And this was like, man, this is just like, Amazing. And we sat down and I started my insurance jargon and uh, she didn't need me um, at all. And I just remember as I was leaving there, I was like, what was that coldness? Like that place was significant. I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet of frontage they had, but it was really cold place. I didn't see one picture of any family member, unless some of those portraits were painted family members. And I was like, this place is significant but what's happening inside there is not. So I go to my next insurance appointment. I pull into this trailer park. And I get to this, this, uh, this, this appointment, and it's like a weird single-wide trailer because I'm like, because I kind of know what those look like. I'm like, this is like a three-quarter single-wide trailer. Like, what's wrong? Like, there's something missing on this trailer, and I'm like walking over the stuff, trying to climb into it, and all those things, and knock on the door, right? This lady answers, opens the door, and she's in her 1970s polyester everything. And her house is is common, and, like, the front kitchen portion of it had, like, kind of burned down, so they cut that off and, like, put a wall there and then built another kitchen and kind of shrank everything. And you walk in, and there was so much warmth. She's got pictures, like, just... Any grandmas in here just have pictures? Like you have a wall of pictures like bigger than this screen and it just kind of goes around the whole thing. And like, you know what was important to her? Her family. And you know what I did? I said, oh, well, these are beautiful pictures. She's like, I'm glad you asked. And for the next hour, we went through and we learned about Johnny and Bobby and like, like we learned about everybody, what they did for a living, where they live and how important. And she couldn't have been more enthralled with her family. And as I left that appointment, I was like, wait a minute, these are quite different visits. One person would be considered very significant and very successful because of what they produced or what their assets were, all those things. And she was very significant and very successful because of what she produced, which was relationships with people and grandparents and grandkids 
And significance had to do with, with this, not with this. Because she could see what making a difference was. And I thought often about that other house, and I thought about, I thought about the loneliness that was in that house. The sadness was in that. You could put this. There's no better spot to be in the world, view-wise, than that spot. And it was lonely, and it was sad, and it was scary, and it was very underwhelming. And all had to do with perspective. And that place needed to be restored. Not restored because the kitchen had burnt off. Not restored because it went from uh, an 800 feet, 800 square feet to, to, to 400 square feet or 500 square feet. The big place needed to be restored because there was no life there. One other story recently came out. Uh, uh, Sadio Mane, a Liverpool soccer star. And so there was some, some, a kickback on this as I was researching this, but it, the story started in my mind where I saw it as he was walking out from a soccer game and he had a cracked, beat up, broken old iPhone. And he makes $10 million a year as a soccer star. He's from the beautiful country of Senegal in West Africa. That's not a very wealthy country. And, uh, the story goes that he was a reporter was asking him, you know, why? Like, hey, ever thought about a new phone? I mean, I don't know. $10 million a year? Like, you probably can afford a new phone. And he said, uh, he said, uh, why would I want 10 Ferraris or 20 diamond watches or two airplanes? What would that do for the world? I starved. I worked in fields. I played barefoot and I didn't go to school. Now I can help people. I prefer to build schools and give poor people food and clothing. This is his quote. I have built schools and a stadium. We provide clothes, shoes, and food for people in extreme poverty. In addition, I give 70 euros per month to all the people from a very poor Senegalese uh, region in order to contribute to their family economy. I do not need to display luxury cars, luxury homes, trips, and even planes. I prefer that my people receive a little of what life has given to me. Mm, yeah, that's worth clapping for. Yeah. Remember that quote last week, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. My gal in the single wide trailer, where was her treasure? Their family. I don't even know where the treasure was in that beautiful house on Flathead Lake. What is significant? If you want to be significant, you need to be obedient. So let's go back and talk about this word hear. What does it mean to hear? The word hear in Hebrew is Shema. And the word Shema has a much wider and deeper meaning than to perceive sound. It encompasses a whole spectrum of ideas that includes uh, listening, taking heed, and responding with action, walking out what one has heard, Lois Tverberg says. 
So there's only like 8,000, like roughly 8,000 Hebrew words, so they have to make the words mean a lot. We have like 400,000 in America, and like is just one of them. And so here, when it says, hear, O Israel, it didn't mean just to listen. You ever read the text and it says, those who have ears ought to hear. Well, I have ears. That's why I can hear. That's not what it means. The hearing is like a covenant. When God says, hear, O Israel, he's saying, honor my covenant with you. Listen, act, and do, and obey. And being significant, you can't separate significance from obedience. Not in, not in God's, God's world, not in God's economy. We see it in James, says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. Looked at my face in the mirror. What am I doing? And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. He who has ears ought to hear. Significance matters. Hearing matters. And so what have I maybe heard that we're supposed to, that like I'm hearing, I'm trying to hear God as your pastor, just like you're trying to hear God. Like, God, what, are, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to be about? And I feel pulled to lead our church to be significant in the area of restoration. Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. He wants to restore Mankind to the Father. Without Jesus Christ, there's no restoration. And we had a Brad Gray here, and there's a sermon online, but he was here for a weekend teaching, talking about the restoration of all things. That's what the Bible is about. It's about restoration. And restoration of the smallest things in your life to the biggest things in the world. And being restored not to ourselves, but to a loving Father in heaven, and which is why how you view God is the most important thing about you. That is significant. And there's a battle for your mind of how you're going to view God. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I feel like this is a significant thing we're called to accomplish is to be restorers. We're here to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. Right? And it starts in the brokenness that we are. Why don't you guys check out this video real quick? Almost 13 years ago, uh, our marriage was over and I had left and my husband had started to attend Celebrate Recovery. We had been through 10 years of Christian counseling that did no good for us. We had gone round and round the same mountain thousands of times it feels like and we had gotten no help and I was hopeless and when he had started to attend Celebrate Recovery and I was um, had moved out uh, I finally began to see some real changes some changes that stuck that had meat to them 
It really was the only hope for our marriage at that time. Um, that was 13 years ago, and we are still doing great. My husband and I have been leading Celebrate Recovery for the past five years. It is probably one of the best broad spectrum um, recovery programs out there uh, for all kinds of hurts, habits, and hangups, not just drugs and alcohol. But it doesn't go very deep. And that's why we want to bring in Restoration Night, because we want to bring in studies like Genesis Process and codependency and past sexual abuse, just a variety of different studies that go very, very deep into understanding what our human problem is so that we can walk better with God through that and into healing. I'm just super excited about Restoration Night because there's not a one-size-fits-all anything. And Celebrate Recovery is is an amazing uh, foundation and a 12-step study. And I don't know a single person that doesn't need to go through a step study. But then, once you get that foundation and you start to get out of denial, you start seeing the truth, doing an inventory, and freeing yourself from the burdens of guilt and shame and resentment, then you can really start dealing with some of the deeper issues. I think it's going to be a great introduction for people who are not used to coming to this type of group and talking about issues. If they can jump into a restoration group and talk about solving everyday conflict or working through their finances, it's a great way to just dip your toe into something. It just shows that you can you can do it. Every Thursday night, what keeps me coming is the fact that I know I'm going to meet Jesus for who He is through His people. One of the things that holds people back from coming to studies like this is not having childcare. And so we do have childcare. And the kids are going to learn the exact same lessons that we're learning in the large group. How to have these conversations, how to talk about your emotions, how to resolve conflict between people, how to forgive, how to make amends. As we move into Restoration Night, we are going to basically have a similar format to what we've been doing where we have a large group and uh, we have some worship time and a message is given. Uh, And then we're gonna break down into small groups. What we've had in the past is uh, mixed issues and the Celebrate Recovery Step Study. And we're just gonna add in lots of different kinds of studies. Um, Genesis Process, the Codependency Book. Over the seasons, we'll add, you know, past sexual abuse or sexual integrity groups. Um, a marriage group, resolving conflicts, and it may be something you want to take a class and then take a break for a while and then come back and take another class. There's just so much to learn. Everyone has hurts, habits, and hangups, and like no one is excluded from that. So why not take the next step to be a part of what the Lord is doing? A lot of times it can seem like, oh, you know, that's a place for people who have substance abuse problems or those for those people. I mean, the church is for people who are sick. Like everybody has some type of problem. And uh, it's just really cool to go there and just lay my pride down and say, you know, I might not be, I might not struggle with substances or alcohol, but I'm far from perfect. I have a lot of things that I need to work on. So I'm super excited about this. We're going all in. 
All in. This church is already a place that's known for healing, for grace, for mercy, and love. And that's because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not because of us. And so we're going to go all in with the restoration night. You know, there's nothing good, there ain't, there's nothing good on, on TV on Thursday nights. They don't do that anymore. Like They don't have like Thursday nights like a special night. Oh, Grey's Anatomy. Oh, my gosh. Did you know what happened on Grey's Anatomy? I should just ruin it for everybody. No, I don't even watch that show. I watch good shows like the UFC fighting yesterday and stuff like that. Good Christian stuff. Guys smashing their heads and stuff. No. And ladies. Um, but how about Restoration. What, a, what needs to be restored? Here's the thing. You know who's a, who needs to be restored most of the time? Is your, is your pastor. You have a broken, flawed pastors that feel like they can't be real. They can't be transparent. They can't be vulnerable. I can't imagine what life would be like without Mike and Sherry Hall. I would have said 200 years instead of four. But can you imagine... <laughs> Think about this, though. Think about the, if you've been impacted by this couple here, like they were moved, like she moved, they moved out. They weren't together. You know how many hundreds of lives they've impacted? You know how significant they are? There's people in here, you, there's people in this room that wouldn't be married. You wouldn't be married. You would have missed, you would have missed out. Not just them as people, but all of those leaders up there. So we're going all in. You should be here on Thursday nights because you probably have something wrong with you. I am. I got stuff wrong with me. Let's get real. When we get real with ourselves, we can encounter a real God. And sometimes we have blind spots. So I hope you can get excited about being restored and being a restorer. Cars get restored. It's super cool. Motorcycles get restored. Houses get restored. But something that has eternal significance, eternal uh, significant implications, that's when one of God's children gets restored and brought back to him. Amen? It's better than the car that got restored. You know that feeling that you get when you're watching that silly video on YouTube that shows the uh, military personnel coming home and you see that wife and that kid run to their father or into the dad and the husband and they hug him and you're just like, oh, like what, what is that feeling? Why does something click or turn inside of me and, and I get stuff in my eyes and, and I, what, what is that? It's bringing order, uh, order to chaos. The family was separated and now it's back together. How about that? How about we be people that bring people back together with their father in heaven? Use us, Lord. So here's what we need to do. To launch this well, uh, I'm asking for everyone to start praying right now. And December 1st is Giving Tuesday. So there's Black Friday where we go into debt and buy stuff we don't need or, afford or can't afford to impress people that don't care and don't like us. No, I'm just kidding. It's an old joke. Old joke still works. All right, good. And then we have Cyber Monday, 
which is just amazing because Amazon needs some more business. They're hurting. And then there's this thing, Giving Tuesday. Who cares? Now, remember, tithes and offerings. Tithes is not stealing from God. Offerings is giving. Offering over and above your tithe, that's giving. And that's like, that's, yeah, all right. And so here's what I want to do. As I want to raise $75,000 on Giving Tuesday, specifically for restoration ministry. That's it. Outside of our budget, like we're already taking a swing. Doesn't matter. We're taking the big swing at this, but I would feel a little more comfortable if we had the finances to do it. And so I want you to be thinking about that. What does this look like for Giving Tuesday? Lots of people are going to be asking for your, your funding and for your donation, but I want to raise $75,000 to fund that ministry for 2021. And why 75000 Roughly 40 of it's for staffing and the child care and all those things that we do to put in place so people have no excuse or no reason to not come. Well, I'd come, but my kids. False. Your kids probably benefit from being here. There's nothing they're watching either that's good. Uh, about 25000 for resources and scholarships. And then we want to add another 15000 uh, in addition to our rehab fund. Let me tell you why. Because when you come in here and start figuring out where you are and some folks start really figuring out where they are, they might need a little more help. And we're going to make sure that they get the help they need because that's what our Father in Heaven would do. Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. I want, to, I want us to partner with Jesus to restore people to a loving God. Let's surrender our will to God's will. And when we do that, our lives and purpose will be significant in the kingdom. Speaking of something that's significant, communion. Get your communion out. Let's take this together. Surrender. Jesus surrendered his life in the ultimate act of significance for you and I today. As you're messing with your communion, I want to read that uh, Deuteronomy, and I want you to think about Shema. I want you to think about when you hear the word, hear, O Israel, or those who have ears ought to hear, that hear means more than receiving uh, sound waves into your ears. This is a covenant. This is an action. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of your ancestors promised you. God keeps his promises. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Let's hear well. Let's be significant because we have a significant God. Be restorers. Jesus Christ came to restore, came to restore us, and he died for it. So Lord Jesus, on that night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, this is for you, this is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember our restorer. 
In the same way, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. He's coming again. Let's be caught doing his will when he comes. Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you that, that, that this is the text you would give your people, Lord. You gave your people freedom. And with great freedom comes great responsibility, comes great temptation. But as you gave them this text and their freedom, you said, listen, obey, act. Come to the plan that I have for you. Come to the fruition of what I want for the world. Be, be part, be on the restoration team. Help restore people to their, to their families, to their husbands and wives, and help restore people to, to their children, and help restore people to you, Almighty Father in heaven. I want to be a restorer. I don't want to restore people to the things of this world, but I want them to restore them to the things of, of your world, God. Help me to have the wisdom to know the difference. I ask you to just be with this body in a mighty, mighty way as we tackle something that's awesome that, that you've already ordained. We are about restoration. We love you, Father. Help us to do it well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.